Hello and welcome to Sleeved and Spiritual Podcast. I'm your host, Cecily Searles. This podcast is all about the relatable journey with me. I will be talking about everything from having gastric sleeve surgery to spirituality to being a mom and everything in between. Follow along for some fun, vulnerability, and hopefully some inspiration and information you never knew you needed. Let's get started. I wanted to do a trigger warning for this episode because I talk about eating disorders, abortions, and miscarriages. If any of these trigger you, please seek out professional help or find a loved one to talk to. And if you are ready to start and listen to the episode, here you go. Hello and welcome to the real first episode of Sleeved and Spiritual I am your host, Cecily Searles, and I am so excited to finally do this. I've actually kind of been doing this backwards. I've been doing other episodes before this one, um, and I feel like it was kind of divine timing for me to wait to do this a little bit because um, this is just, uh, today is Thursday, and I am leaving on Sunday to go and get my to, to go to the States to, uh, get my surgery. So it's, it's getting more real. Yesterday I had, um, I think it was like my first real breakdown of like crying and being emotional and, um, just realizing the real, um, impact and, and, uh, heaviness of this decision and, and the overwhelming emotions that is coming with everything. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but, uh, I think it's, uh, I needed to go through that to kind of know what I wanted to say in this episode, I guess. Um, but I kind of just wanted this episode to be, uh, a little bit of, uh, like, um, and I'm also sorry for saying uh, all the time and like because I'm from the valley and I say like all the time and that's not going to change. I'm going to really try with the us though. So I want this episode to be about me <laughs> um, kind of just to give you the listener an opportunity to see if I'm your cup of tea or not because I don't want to waste anyone's time. Uh, especially if you're like, I just don't like how she sounds. She seems cool, but I just don't like how she sounds like that's okay. If you don't want to listen to me, totally fine. Um, I want everyone who is listening to this to just kind of feel like they're listening to their best friend talk and maybe they'll get some, a relatable story from it or just you can feel my emotions through it. I just want anything I do in life to help others feel like they have the capability to do what they want to do. So I don't really want to say inspire others, but I just want other people to feel good in their decisions that they're making and feel good in who they are. And if I can do that in any way, that's my mission in life. So Um, I'm just going to talk about, uh, how I came to the decision and kind of where I come from and my whole life. So, um, let's start from the beginning. I 
was born to two people, my dad and my mom, and they were only together for, I think like a year and a half and got divorced. And, uh, my dad married my stepmom, but I only call her my stepmom when I'm explaining things that like, I have to talk about my mom and my stepmom. Cause when I'm actually talking to my stepmom, I call her mom because she's been in my life for since I was two. So, um, she is technically my stepmom, but she's my mom too. Just like my brother and sister, they're technically my stepbrother and sister, but they're my brother and sister because they are. Anyway, so I just wanted to put that out there. She's not like the evil stepmother. She's like the perfect example of what you could be in a step parent. Anyways, that'll come back around. So, um, they got married when I was two. So I lived with my mom. My mom got full custody of me. I lived with my mom since I was little and I saw my dad and, um, stepmom every other weekend. And then, uh, I think when my mom was five, she married this douche nozzle who was a terrible fucking person. And, um, he beat her. Um, he was a terrible, terrible person. He, molested me from the time I was, uh, actually did the actual ages because I had to do a police report recently. I was six, uh, until eight, eight years old. So, uh, two and a half years he molested me. And after the last time he hit my mom, I went to go live with my dad and lived with them for a year. And then when I came back, um, my mom had decided to be with, uh, the other team and she decided to, um, not decided to, she fell in love with a woman. And so she was with a woman for the next 10 years of my life. Uh, when I went to go back and live with my mom, that was when I started to have a lot more, uh, noticeable eating habits where if you look back in pictures, I was a very, very chubby little girl. Um, not just like normal, uh, like baby fat, I guess it was just, I was eating in hindsight. Now that I know what it was, I was eating to control my emotions because at that point, no one had known what, um, the man had did to me yet. I'm going to say his name because I feel like I can, his name is Jeremy. Um, so no one knew what Jeremy had done to me yet. So I was still keeping it a secret. And at that time I was like, uh, nine years old. So from nine until like, uh, probably how old are you in seventh grade? 12, like 11 or 12. I was pretty chubby. And then I did junior lifeguards and I lost a lot of weight and I got braces and I got, I lost a lot more weight. And I, once I got my braces off, I got a lot of attention from boys. And, um, I liked the attention and I thought that any attention from a man, especially because of what had happened with Jeremy, I thought that that's how I can get by in life without getting hurt was making sure that 
boys and men liked me all the time. So it focused a lot of my stuff. I didn't focus on school too much. I never got really bad grades, but I was very average student and I just kind of focused on boys a lot. I started cheer in eighth grade or maybe seventh grade. I don't know. I started cheer like Pop Warner. Oh no, I did cheer back when Jeremy was in the picture. Yeah, I did cheer when I was like six years old. Okay, that doesn't matter. Uh, So Pop Warner cheer from like six to high school and then in high school did cheer. And throughout high school, I was like, you know, the epitome of what you see on TV, like cheerleader. I don't want to say popular, but I guess I was, we were friends. I was friends with all of like the football players and stuff, but I really didn't know everybody. And, um, I was so insecure that I kept this wall up because I didn't want people to actually know who I was. Uh, obviously I have friends still from high school and from before high school that know the true me, but like the people that I was, I'm using air quotes to say friends, um, didn't really know the true me. It was just drunk Cecily. And a majority of the time I was like the loud and the one that needed attention and, um, trying to be funny or trying to be sexy or trying to just trying, just trying so much to be anything but who I was. And I think so many can, so many people can relate to that regardless if you've had sexual assault or anything. I think that's like a very common thing in high school and I wish that it wasn't, but I think that that's just kind of life. But anyways, so, um, Oh, and then I had, uh, because I needed a way to control things, nothing came, man, I'm keep forgetting all these things that happened in my life. So in ninth grade, I got really, really drunk and like, this is like a whole other story that should be told, but, um, maybe I will do a podcast on this whole night because it like changed the whole trajectory of my life. But a short story of what happened. Ninth grade, got drunk, lied to my mom where I was naturally because that's what I did every weekend. Um, My cousin was being born that night and she was like, I need you to come and see the baby and blah, blah, blah. I like was so drunk. I couldn't even tell her where I was. Then I ended up whoever I was with ended up taking me to this McDonald's. My mom met me at the McDonald's with my aunt. Cause at that time my mom had broken up with the woman that she was with for the past 10 years, who was a horrible fucking person too. Um, so we were living with my aunt at the time. So my mom and my aunt and my two cousins came and picked me up at this McDonald's and, um, my mom was so pissed at me and that was the only time, first and only time she ever hit me. Um, I used to say I deserved it, but no, no kid deserves to get hit. But, but I do understand why she did it. I'm not saying my mom's a horrible person, but I totally understand why she did it. So that was the first time she hit me. So when we went back to my aunt's house, I was so drunk and I was telling them that like, I wanted to have sex with this guy that I thought that I was totally in love with. And I was 15 
and I was still a virgin and I was saying he wouldn't have sex with me because I told him what Jeremy did. And everyone's like, what are you talking about, Cecily? And then I spilled the beans that Jeremy had molested me. So I'm 15, wasted as fuck, and tell my mom and my aunt and my uncle that I was molested when I was five years old. So they're all like, holy shit, what the hell? The next morning, my mom takes me to the police station, and I have to do this, um, like there's an investigator, there's a whole, um, I can't think of the word, but we do a thing. Okay. So it turns into an investigation that lasts a couple months. We have to basically get him to admit that he did it. We call him on a tapped phone to record the record, record his conversation. He essentially tells me I'm a liar and that I made the whole thing up, but that he's really sorry. He's totally sorry. And he wants to help me in any way. Piece of shit. Anyways. So after that, he called me a liar. I kind of went on a downward spiral. I started having an eating disorder and doing any way that I can control the surroundings, which was my food. So that's when I started my eating disorder, which was, I'm 15. So probably it was the end of ninth grade. So from the end of ninth grade until about junior year, I had an eating disorder where I would basically either not eat or I would take, um, trigger warning. I'm going to explain how I did this. And, um, I will put it at the beginning too, but I would take NyQuil bottles and drink them because it would make my stomach hurt so much that that would be all that I would have. And I think it like fucked me up a little bit too. Um, and it would make my stomach hurt so much that I wouldn't want to eat. And then if I did eat that, I would probably throw it up. So I stayed around 117 the whole from from ninth grade till junior year, probably until actually senior year. But I don't think I had an eating disorder senior year. I think I was just drunk all the time. But, um, so it, I I controlled everything with my eating. And then, um, in junior year or no, in senior year, I had a boyfriend and we were in love and I felt more comfortable with him. And I think I felt safe with him. And so I, I, I don't really remember what made me stop doing that, but I, I did, I stopped. And, um, actually I do remember what happened, but well, I found out that all of my friends that I was hanging out with, we were all skinny together and they were all having a secret behind my back that they were all doing. I grew up in Santa Clarita and Santa Clarita. I don't know now if it's still the same way. I'm assuming it is, but it was meth. Meth was the thing and heroin. Um, so all of my friends knew that I was very, very against drugs because my brother had a drug problem and uh, they hid that they were doing meth behind my back. And my boyfriend at the time was doing Coke behind my back. So I was so busy with myself having an eating disorder and drinking that I was too oblivious to know that my friends were doing all of these things behind my back. 
And, um, so when all of the moms found out that they were doing drugs, they threw me into the mix too, because I was really skinny too. And they gave everyone drug tests and not me because I wasn't doing drugs. I just had an eating disorder. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons why I stopped, um, because a lot of stuff came to light that year. Um, but then after high school, I was still with my boyfriend at the time and I gained a lot of weight and, uh, I think I just got really comfortable with him. And then I kind of like looked in the mirror and was like, holy crap. Like I went from 117 to 160 and it was a big that's a huge jump. And then when we broke up, I was devastated. And I lost a lot of weight, but it was just because I had went back into my old eating habits. I didn't, I didn't throw up, but I just didn't eat. I just didn't eat at all. Um, which is not healthy at all. And so then uh, fast forward to a little bit later, I'm 19 and started dating an old boyfriend from high school who was probably one of my first loves. Um, I dated him in ninth grade. Um, he was the one that I actually lost my virginity to. He was a great boyfriend. We broke up. Then I started dating the other guy that I was just talking about and then got back together with this guy. And, uh, he, we ended up getting pregnant and I freaked out and I ended up getting an abortion. And at that time he was like selling weed, I think. Um, not really, I didn't see a future with him. I didn't see a future that that, like he was going to have a future that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and that sounds mean, uh, because now he has like beautiful life, a beautiful wife. I'm happy for him, but that's not the life that I wanted. Whatever life we were having at that moment, that is not the life I wanted. And then when I had the abortion, I was like, something has to change. My life is going down the toilet really fucking quick. And my cousin had just left for the air force and, um, I got drunk. I think it was like three nights after the abortion, I got drunk and, um, went to the, recruiting office for the name for the Marines the day, the morning after I was drunk, I'm pretty sure I was still drunk in the morning, took an ASVAB test as a Marine. And I got a pretty high score and a Navy recruiter saw me and said, like, can I see your score? And he was like, I think you should join the Navy. Anyways, he convinced me um, and at that time, one of my best friends was already in the queue to join the Navy. Like she had already signed up for the Navy, but she hadn't left yet. And so her and I left, we made it so that we could leave together, which was pretty cool. Um, so joined the Navy in 09. And at that time I was 20 and, uh, left in October of 09, no, November of 09 and got stationed, got stationed in Hawaii 
but I met this stupid boy in my A school in Mississippi and in the Navy if or in the military if you want to uh, keep dating someone or like... <laughs> Anyways, I married this stupid, stupid boy after knowing him for two weeks, which was obviously one of the dumbest decisions I've ever made. And, but I have to make decisions for myself and no one can tell me what to do because I have to make all of my mistakes on my own. Even if someone tells me like, hey, don't do this. I just did this. Like, I'm going to be like, well, maybe it won't, maybe it'll work out differently for me. Well, it didn't. So, um, he was a terrible, he was. He was just like a pathological liar, but he was super hot. So, um, I tell that to my husband now and he looks at the picture and he was like, you are fucking delusional. He was not hot. I thought he looked like Ryan Gosling, but, um, maybe I had like drunk goggles on or something. Anyways, I got stationed. We did it so that we could keep dating. We got married so we could keep dating. So I got stationed in Hawaii and then he got orders to Hawaii too. But the first day that I got to Hawaii, I found out that he had a girlfriend the entire time. So he's now married and has a girlfriend. So I don't even know what the other girl thinks. Anyways, so I tried to go to this legal office in Hawaii. I couldn't get a divorce. Um, I couldn't get an annulment. And to get a divorce, you had to be a resident for six months. And so I just kind of lived a a single life, but still technically married, which is very illegal in the Navy. Um, but I had told them that I was getting, like, I had already separated, like had paperwork. So whatever I was dating, I was living my best life and, um, I was fit and not, not concerned about food at all because I was like, this is my first time alone. This is my first time having no parents to tell me what to do. I was like, literally just living the, I I had the best time for the first like eight months of being in Hawaii. It was so much fun. I had the best of friends and, um, sure I was drinking a lot, but I was drinking in a fun way. I wasn't drinking in the way that I was doing it a majority of the time in high school where I would like blackout. I don't want to say most of the, some of the time in high school was super, super fun. Like if we were going to parties or whatever, but most of the time I thought that I needed to be drunk to have fun. And, um, that's obviously not the case, but I didn't realize that until later. Um, but in the Navy, I was just, I didn't need to be drunk all the time to have fun because I found people that just were fun to be around and that truly accepted me Um, so that was kind of like my first glimpse into being like, I don't need to be this, this extra person all the time. Like you could just be yourself, which was a really cool realization. And then, um, I, uh, this guy asked me on a date. Uh, his name was Brandon. He asked me on a date to go to his friend's house for a barbecue and went to the house and lo and behold, it was Levi's house with his then wife, with my, my now two stepchildren, um, 
but I'm on a date with Brandon to this, this house. And, um, we had fun, but later on that night, Brandon was not the greatest person in the world. And I did not talk to either one of them for like a year and a half. And then we were all on deployment like a year later, the, the whole, like a year and a half later. Um, and learned that Levi at that time I had been on and off with a guy named Nick and, um, anyways, Levi and I started talking and, um, just like talking as friends because I was still like dating this guy, Nick, and he was still, um, he said that he was getting separated and then we were on deployment for a while. And then when we got back from deployment, I had broken up with Nick and, uh, Levi's wife, ex-wife left and he needed to borrow my car for a little bit. So he borrowed my car. And then, uh, as a thank you, he wanted to take me out to dinner, um, for borrowing the car for like three weeks. And then, uh, we went out to dinner and he had told me that his wife had left and they are like officially getting divorced. And, um, so we started like talking officially after that. Um, and then we kind of just been together ever since. And that was like the beginning of the end of the beginning of 2012. Yeah. Beginning of 2012. And, um, then I got out of the Navy, uh, July of 2012 and moved in with Levi it in Fernley, Nevada, and he didn't have custody of the boys yet. And, uh, I'm, I'm missing a lot of key points. Like I got out on PTSD, uh, because some things were triggering me about my sexual assault in the Navy. Um, because you're the, the, it's like 10 to one. I actually don't know the, st- the real statistics of, how many men to women there are, but it's very overwhelming when you, uh, are in places that a lot of powerful men or men who think they're powerful. Um, and you're just one, uh, especially when you have had sexual assault and there's a lot of sexual assault in the military. I did not experience any sexual assault. I experienced a fuck ton of sexual harassment, uh, because, people are terrible, but, um, I'm missing a whole bunch of key points, but the grand story, moral of the story is that I got out on PTSD and depression in the Navy. So if you're trying to do the math, I started in 09 and got out in 2012. So I wasn't even in for a full three years yet. Um, but I got out on honorable discharge. And when I moved in with Levi, we literally drank every single night. I did not realize that Levi had a drinking problem because at that point I had a drinking problem. So we just drank every night and kind of got to know each other even more and even more and even more. And then I would realize that there was so much more that I was holding on to. And every time I, not every time I got drunk, but a majority of the time I got drunk, it would be like, here, let's get drunk so that I can cry to you and talk to you about it. But it it would be to the point where like, whatever I would cry about at night, 
let's not talk about it in the morning. Like, we only talk about it with drunk Cecily. Sober Cecily wants nothing to do with her emotions and feelings. So, um, while all of this was happening, we're talking, like, pounds and pounds and pounds of calories of beer and, like, to, we weren't eating very healthy at all. So I gained a lot of weight and I probably ended up weighing at our wedding in 2013. I weighed probably about like 190 and, um, and then, uh, we tried to start having babies, uh, because he had a vasectomy from his previous marriage. So he had to get it reversed. And when he got it reversed, we didn't know how successful we would be. And he knocked me up like right away and unknowingly knocked me up. And I had a, I was bleeding to death, had an ectopic pregnancy. This is 2014, the end of 2014, had an ectopic pregnancy and my left tube had burst and I was bleeding to death and had to have emergency surgery and then a couple months so that was our first miscarriage uh and then a couple months later uh we had gotten pregnant again and uh at our six-week checkup there was no heartbeat second miscarriage and then uh we had moved to washington and um at this point i had had these pills that make you, cause I only had one working tube and I don't know if you know this, but regular women who ovulate, you ovulate on one or the other side. You don't ovulate on both sides. So I was taking medication to make you ovulate on both sides because I only had one working tube. So I could only get pregnant on one side. So I was taking medication to get pregnant on both sides so that I could have a chance every month. And then, um, because I knew that we were trying, I would take tests like before you're actually supposed to take a test. So I took a test and saw like a very faint line and I was like, holy shit, I'm pregnant again. And then like two days later had a miscarriage. But if I would have never taken the test, I would have just thought it was a period. Um, so they call that a chemical pregnancy. So that's our third miscarriage. And at this point I was like, this is all karma because I had an abortion when I was 19. Like 100% this is karma. I'm not meant to have a baby because I chose, you know, I was just letting my ego take out, take it out on me a little bit. And, um, so I was like, we're not trying anymore. If it happens, it happens, whatever. And then a month, not even a month later, I didn't get a period and I just took the test and, uh, it was a big, it was the, um, the one with the blue plus sign. Cause usually I took the one that had the two pink lines when you're positive, but this one was the, I, I don't know the name of it, but, uh, the blue plus sign and it was big fat black, like bright and blue and positive And our rainbow baby Phoenix was, um, I was pregnante with her. And so, uh, as I got pregnant with her, then we got custody of the boys. And so it went from, you have no kids to, well, now you're pregnant and you're a stepmom of an eight and 10 year old boy, eight and 11, eight and 10. They were, they were around that age. Okay. So Tiger and Jackson came to live with us 
And when we moved to Washington, Levi was back on sea duty and it was my first time where he was going on deployment. So we got custody of them in like May and he went on his first deployment in August. So I was momming to two boys, (laughs) pregnante, and, uh, it was fucking hard. It was really fucking hard. And I was depressed and had, um, and then she was born in March and I had terrible postpartum, absolutely terrible postpartum. I wanted to check myself into this, um, place and, uh, I, it was a lot of money, but Levi was like, yeah, you can do it. Like, let's, let's do it. And then I, I had a really bad night one night and, um, I had to call like an emergency, um, place because I was uh, very upset. I wasn't, I wasn't suicidal, but I was to the point where I couldn't function. I couldn't, I couldn't be where I was at. I like couldn't be in my skin and I needed to call somebody and And then they set me up with this, um, therapist and she was fucking terrible. And I was like, I need to figure out something that is not, not me anymore. Uh, not outside of me anymore. Um, now I have kids and I don't want my kids to grow up being afraid of their emotions. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that they have to find things like alcohol and sex and drugs and other people to validate who they are. And I found this group called Elevate the Globe. Um, and they literally just started my journey on this path, um, of kind of just mindfulness. Uh, I learned more about meditation. I had never meditated before in my entire life. And, uh, I learned about that. I learned that I wanted to go to school. Oh, I went to energy healer. I remember that now. Oh, because then I started, I became a nail technician. Also, I used my GI bill to become a nail technician. So I own my own nail salon. And one of my clients, I was talking to her and she said that she had an energy healer. And I was like, what the fuck is an energy healer? So I went to her and her name was Glenda. I call her Glenda the Good Witch. And she lives in Washington. So if you live in Washington, she's amazing. Um, I message me and I will give you her information. Um, but she's an energy healer and I went there and, um, she kind of just gave me a whole glimpse into this new way of like a whole other world. Right. And so I, uh, just kind of started to looking into energy and, um, light work and shadow work and all of these things. And it's just this whole other world of knowledge that you like don't know exists until you, until you know it exists. And it kind of just, I started on this path and I, uh, found this school that did not take the GI bill. So I had to pay out of pocket, which is fine. It was worth it. But I found this school that, uh, I loved because it wasn't like, it wasn't like real school. I think school is such bullshit. I think degrees are amazing, but I don't think that you need to go to school after college. I don't think that you or after high school. I don't think that you need to keep going 
and get math and history and all of this shit and English if you're going to school for like marine biology. Like just go to school for what you need. I think the whole system needs to be fucking changed because it's archaic. Anyways, this school that I found was just classes that you want to do. So it was like life coaching, aromatherapy, uh, life and death, like cultural stuff. Um, what else did I do? I learned how to be a toe reader, which I did that for a little bit. Um, um, I don't know. I went to school for two and a half years. So you would think that I would remember, but obviously, so I got my life coaching certificate and, um, then, uh, heard about breath work and got certified for breath work and breath work. I have to say is the biggest component to, uh, my journey into where I'm at today. So my breath work, if you don't know, is intentional breathing that, your body essentially takes over and your mind goes into a meditative state. Your body goes into a meditative state and your body just releases what it needs to in that moment. So there's a lot of healing and transformation. If you are consistent with your breathwork practice, obviously you're breathing right now or else you wouldn't be alive, but breathwork in itself, like a breathwork session, a, a meditative breathwork session is different. You are breathing in a certain pattern and, um, your body, the, the build, your body composition, it changes when you breathe in a certain way. And so like the, the neurons in your brain fire differently and you can have some pretty profound experiences when you do breath work, which I have. And it helped me a lot dealing with my anger. I was very angry with what had happened to me in my childhood and, um, how my, how my parents dealt with a lot of it, how my parents, how my parents, I still struggle with how my parents, um, deal with their emotions because they were never taught how to deal with their emotions. Um, so I'm kind of just, navigating that on my own because I was, I was never taught that. And so I want to teach my children that it's okay to talk about things and, um, it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to do all of these things. So so I was doing all of this basically on my own because Levi was like on his own path. At this point in our marriage, we were like going like just like parallel with each other, but not, not really like together as one. Um, he was doing his own thing. I was doing my own thing, but we were just kind of like high-fiving each other at nighttime. Um, we didn't really hang out together. We didn't like, it was just not a good time for us in our marriage. And we do an episode together and you'll hear more about that. But, um, It got to the point where I was more comfortable talking about my uh, sexual assault. I didn't have to be drunk all the time. Um, I got to the point where I wanted to figure out my relationship with alcohol. And um, I created a business of life coaching and um, got into that field. And I'm kind of stepping away from that right now because the whole industry, not that I don't think that people need it, but the whole industry in itself kind of feels very... um, Ugh. cultish 
very like finding a group of people that are lost and like, here, let me teach you the way I don't want to do. I don't want to be a part of any of that. The only thing that I want to do to help people is make them realize that they have the capability themselves. And you've had it within you the whole fucking time. That's why I love breath work because breath work is all about you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you how to feel. I'm not telling you how to parent. I'm not telling you how to do anything. It comes to you within you. The answers are within you. So coaching, um, and that's how coaching should be because coaching is all about like asking yourself the questions where the coach is just basically asking you questions and you answering them and like helping you navigate through the questions. But I think a lot of the industry is more of like, let me tell you how to do this so you can be like me. And I don't like that. So I'm kind of navigating my own way of where I want to go, uh, in my life right now. And obviously it's, a whole different experience now because I'm having this gastric sleeve. And, um, I know this is a totally roundabout way of me getting to where I'm at, but, um, the epiphany that I had last night, as I said at the beginning of this episode that I kind of had my first breakdown of this whole decision was that I have been doing so much fucking work on myself for the past Phoenix was born in 2016. So fuck eight years holy shit wait that's not right six years that okay that sounds better because she's six the uh six years where I've learned so much about myself and I've learned like just how beautiful humans are at their core and how much trauma can really fuck you up that um I've kind of created this meat suit that I'm in to be able to give me the safety to, to create the, the, the being that I am now. And I've done so much self-sabotage where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to step out of my comfort zone. But then I go back into these habits like eating and, and, um, alcohol, uh, and then I gain a little bit of weight and then I'm like, no, that's not really me. And then I kind of just settle. I've just kind of been stagnant at this weight for so long because I don't really eat that unhealthy. I have a portion control problem. I definitely do. Um, but I, I figured out my relationship with alcohol. I don't have a problem with that. And the epiphany that I had was just that like, holy fuck, I've been envisioning this person for so long now that after this surgery, like this is the start of me actually becoming this person. And I was crying in the shower with Levi. We have the smallest shower ever and we still don't, I don't know why we decide to take showers together. We don't do anything sexual in the shower. We literally just stand there and like bump next to each other. And every time we just say like, why are we taking showers together? But anyways, so we're, I'm crying in the shower with him. And and I was just saying like, this is just so overwhelming because I, I mean, I could, I could self-sabotage and take, just be like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the surgery. Let's get our money back. I'm not doing it anymore. I've lost 10 pounds. Let's, let's call it a day. But that would be self-sabotage because I know that this next phase of my life is coming. I know that this next 
butterfly transformation version of myself is fucking here and it's my time and I'm ready for it because I've done so much fucking work to be here that like I'm ready for this next step as and this next step for me is getting this gastric sleeve is losing this big um, huge amount of weight like literally and figuratively to just be this next version of myself without self-sabotage without doubts and fears I'm gonna have fears but I'm gonna move through them and that's who I am today that's who I'm going to be and that's how I've got here so it's 43 minutes so far of me rambling on of who I am and how I got here and I hope that that kind of gives you a glimpse into my life and a glimpse of why I feel like this is the best decision for me I hope it's relatable and uh, I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want any more information from my opinions or just what I've been through, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sleeped and Spiritual. Just a reminder, I am not a doctor. This is all from my point of view. Please consult your doctors, your loved ones, people you can trust before making any rash decisions. I hope you have an amazing day and I can't wait to have you around again. Bye.